Is artificial intelligence about to make teachers obsolete? My guest today has some thoughts that are bound to challenge your assumptions, specifically how you can use AI as a collaborator rather than a replacer of teachers. Hey everyone, I'm Shane Leaning. Welcome to Global Ed Leaders, a podcast about education across countries and cultures. I work in teaching and leadership development, and in this show, I get to know some of the teachers, leaders, and innovators making a difference around the world. If you like this show, I'd love to hear from you. I'm a big Twitter fan, so you can find me there using the handle at LeaningShane, and I'll respond to all messages. I'm also on LinkedIn and Instagram, links of which you can find in the show notes. So AI is rapidly disrupting many industries, and education is no exception. My guest today is Thomas Thompson, co-founder of Eduade.ai, an AI platform designed specifically for lesson development and educational resources. Thomas started by talking about how AI can be used to enhance teaching and learning rather than replace teachers, and with an overview of his platform. Let's jump in. Eduade AI is a platform for AI-assisted lesson development. It's a website that one goes to, you create a free account, you put in your email, we send you a link, and you're on. And you have a workspace where you can work with a number of different prompt structures that we've developed that will return a a basis for a high-quality educational resource. And then we give you a number of tools to refine that AI output to fit your unique needs. And then you can save that and organize it into different classes and stack new resources on top of it. So it's it's a platform that really uses AI in a way that you don't get a finished product from it. You have to refine it yourself. And we give you tools to do that such that we close the gap between teacher as a classroom entity and teacher as instructional designer. I've got it open in front of me. Many of the people listening to this might have know about ChatGPT and these kind of tools. Essentially, it's bringing a very generic AI interface like that and making it very specific with many prompts already engineered into the, into the system. So I can see you can create a unit plan using some prompts. You can create class announcements, emails home, or you can even plan individual education plans or accommodations list. As the, you know, the list goes on. Yeah. And for example, you could we have offer other things besides just um, generative content in that regard. We have a new feature called an assessment builder, and I think this really illustrates what the technology can do. Whereas one may go into ChatGPT or some other large language model and develop their own prompt and prompt the AI such that it returns a multiple choice question or five multiple choice questions or essay um, prompts or whatever it might be to, say, assess student work, we now have a what is essentially a drag and drop interface where we remove the need to understand the ins and outs of prompting to get reliable resources because the chat is really, really restrictive, right? You're in a chat bot format. It's hard to then translate that over to an educational um, context. What this does is it makes it so that you can format all of this in that educational context and then have the power and autonomy to go in and change it, really fine-tune it. We give you granular control over everything you generate so that you can, you know, kind of stack prompts atop each other in a way that really isn't intuitive on any other AI app like ChatGPT or um, perhaps like Wolfram Alpha, which does calculations. And that's something we're looking into implementing on our math side, for example. 
And that really does come across for anyone listening. It's I'm 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 on it right now, and it's so simple. There's just a set of tabs, and you can just kind of click into the thing you're wanting, or go straight to Assessment Builder and start building from there. And it is very user friendly. Obviously designed straight for teachers to get stuck in. Three clicks or less was our ethos. Like you should be able to do anything on the site in under three clicks. It should be very easy because if you have three minutes at the end of your planning and you need to make something meaningful we don't have the time to play around with an aesthetically pleasing, but maybe slightly more complex um, app, which is, I I mean, I'm all for aesthetics, but utility first, functionality first, three clicks or less to get what you need. You just mentioned that you were wanting to create open resources when you were setting this all up. Could you kind of speak a little bit more to that? What are you saying there and why is that important to you? So open resources is something I've studied and I'm not sure if they are classified as educational technology, like tools, or if they're kind of the result of interesting affordances in copyright law that allows you to openly license something such that all you need to do is attribute the original creator and you have total freedom to revise, remix, uh, redistribute, and um, retain all of that work. So giving teachers control over their resources, which is not something you're particularly able to do with commercially licensed resources, um, which are more restricted and closed and oftentimes behind a paywall. We wanted to create resources that teachers could access with very limited, you know, really little to no upfront cost. We want to make it such that these resources are, when I say openly available, that means that not only can a teacher retain a resource, but then they can revise that resource and change it, right, to fit their unique context without having to pay an absorbent fee to access it. And by that you mean currently the, the core product is free, right? Yes, Eduaid is completely free. While the capitalist impulse suggests that we need to monetize at some point, you know, and to cover our costs most of the product will always remain free, regardless of any kind of premium offering, um, especially resources that get high use, resources that um, clearly have broad applicability. We want to make those as open and available as possible. Thanks, Thomas. And, and, I, and I think it's really great that you, you and the co-creator, the other Thomas, have created this while you're also still practicing educators yourself as well. It's truly a passion project giving back to the community. Which is probably how we're able to keep it free because it's <laughs> it's not the full time uh, source of income. So that that certainly helps um, reaffirm our principles and mission. So Thomas, if I could take a a little step back, so the the my listeners are generally international school leaders. So there's a lot of challenges that they face. One of which, and one that will be on their mind particularly at the minute, is new teachers in their schools. So the international schools are increasingly getting a lot of new teachers coming into their school who have got uh, very little, sometimes in their first year of practice, more and more now with new qualified teacher programs happening in international schools. This is becoming so much more common. As someone at the forefront of AI in education, what's your perspective on how AI, and that includes EduAid and maybe AI as a general, can really support new teachers? And how can leaders really use that as a tool um, to support their staff? Well, first, I would say that there will be more effective tools to use than AI. I mean, while I think a lot of the direction to move in might be the certification of highly qualified teachers within the schools themselves, that's a big ask and a huge policy change. That's the utopian vision. So we can uh, compromise and settle for AI, which I think is a tool for cultivating the craft of teachers. 
in exposing them to a variety of techniques. If you buy a commercially licensed resource, you have whatever methods are in that resource, right? Those are the things that are doing the instruction, right? The methods that are embedded in the resources. And those are the only methods and techniques the teacher is exposed to. Those in the resources that the school has purchased or that the teacher has come into contact with through their personal study and development of their craft. What AI does is by eliminating that high overhead cost of resource development, teachers can now prompt AI such that they return a number of different resources that expose them to techniques, learning objects, methods that they may not have previously considered. More than that, serves as a productivity tool, making the planning workflow more efficient and effective. And um, you change the entire process to become a process of refinement and not necessarily of creation. In so doing, you eliminate a lot of the friction points in the planning process. The need to cobble together a number of resources or maybe retool existing resources and curriculum guides that may no longer fit and reflect current events. As I teach social studies, you know, the world is evolving and circumstances are evolving such that many of the lessons in history textbooks, uh, we do not look upon them the same way that we did at one point, right? There's numerous texts written about things my history teacher left out or, you know, the famous book that lies my history teacher told me, right? It's a, it's a common debate we have time and time again. I think this tool can, again, help close that gap between the teacher as in-class entity, teacher as instructional designer. I return to that point because I think that's the one great affordance of this tool is that you enable teachers to do that, to cross that chasm. I think that's really exciting, actually, Thomas. You know, there's been a movement in many schools that I've worked with recently. You know, know, there's there's a, a teacher workload crisis. I know it's the same in many countries, in the US, in the UK. In many international schools, you know, teachers are feeling, you know, a high pressure of workload and many have jumped to kind of support that with additional resources, which generally standardize, standardize the process, maybe like a follow this textbook, you know, and, you know, don't, don't deviate. That's, that's how I'm going to save you your time. Yes. Um, and people were moving towards there, which was also the, the argument by many educators I, I spoke to. They said, well, that's also deprofessionalizing us because we like to create our personal plans. What you're saying is that AI actually is potentially coming at a real pivotal moment in education to support with creating that. Yes. It it seems counterintuitive, right? The way that we are saving time is by using AI and encouraging personalization and differentiation of resources, because that's where the tool is powerful. We eliminate the friction point of differentiation by putting it all in one workplace and by enabling teachers to essentially replace the amount of time they would have spent on finding the general resource with time for personalizing and differentiating resources to meet the variety of needs of the diverse learners in their classroom. And you can do that because, again, overhead costs are now much lower, because the time commitments are now much lower, because the taking a step out of your comfort zone and experimenting, the cost of doing that is much lower because you're not, say, spending seven hours of your day trying to, you know, think of a new and innovative way to communicate a certain topic to your students, you now have this tool which can give you a variety of things. And I mean, on a practical level, we offer a tool called the Lesson Seed. And what it does is it provides um, a number of avenues for constructing a cohesive and rigorous lesson around a specific topic. 
It doesn't provide you with a single lesson plan. It provides you with many options to explore in creating a lesson plan, making it a flexible resource that demands honing and personalization. You build that into the workflow. This forces the user then to consider not just what resources they can find to make a good lesson, but rather what are the necessary underlying components of a meaningful educational interaction or of a meaningful lesson. That is going to really appeal to one of the concerns that I've heard raised about AI, which is AI is just going to generate lesson plans for teachers and that's, and that's it. You know, you just ask teacher, I want to teach this and then it gives you it and you just follow the script. What you're saying is you, you can use AI and you've designed that into Eduade with this tool to support in the process of the teacher's thinking to really help them to really think through their lesson rather than just giving them something. The nightmare scenario is the AI is doing everything for the teacher. That's not what we want. We want to create this this collaborative model. Now, it's become perhaps unpopular. Um, in the 90s, Gary Kasparov, a famous chess player, uh, lost against IBM's Deep Blue in a chess match. And um, he toyed with this idea of human AI combined teams playing the AI in chess and that hopefully the human and AI counterpart would win versus just the singular AI. We found that to be totally false in chess, right? AIs playing AIs is the best way to go. The humans usually make a mistake. But in the case of education, I think that's quite an intuitive system because while the large language model might be able to cobble together massive amounts of data and generate really concise lessons on specific topics, it doesn't have the intuitive sense of your classroom like you as the in-class teacher has. It doesn't understand the learning differences and needs in the classroom. So it requires a human in the loop to personalize it. So we solve the problem of the appeal of just having AI do everything by making our system very modular to where if you want the AI to do everything, you have to do a lot of stacking and considering of just what it is you want, not I type in one prompt, I get what I want, I'm done. No, you have to, again, stack these modular resources and really deeply consider what goal you're trying to accomplish. So for leaders considering AI who are nervous about their teachers not developing or or just kind of relinquishing their expertise to the AI. It's good to hear that there are people in the game such as your, yourself who are kind of developing AI models that actually are, are centered around the teacher's expertise and supporting that expertise and developing that expertise rather than replacing it. Yes. And understanding more than, hey, this would be a killer app for this technology articulating the silences, right? Allowing there to be a place where the AI doesn't have to do it because the teacher can, and the teacher can likely do it better. Thanks, Thomas. So if I can come on to an, another challenge in international schools and probably, you know, schools around the world, but I think acutely in international schools is our diversity in our student community and our teaching community, actually, in terms of cultural diversity and linguistic diversity, lots of different languages in international schools, lots of different cultures, often a barrier to using online tools or tools developed for a national context is that for international schools, leaders go, yeah, it's not quite right for us. We've got such a diversity of students, you know, are there ways that AI tools like Eduade AI can really support with that diversity? Well, first, um, I can speak directly about Eduade. We offer our product in 18 different languages and um, we're constantly developing um, the affordances for new languages as well. We had a user reach out to us um, about, you know, adding Hebrew as one of the languages to launch in schools in Israel. 
And these are um, considerations we take seriously. We try to expand the accessibility of our product. Now that said, we have to look at the training sets um, that the AI models are built on and whether or not those training sets reflect a diversity of opinion, a diversity of context. Because an AI model is only as good as the training set that it's built on and only as good as the human input in shaping its understanding of that training data. Because the the large language models, it has no conception of our world, right? It's They're built on language, and language is an abstraction created by humans that describes the world but is not the world as it is. Could we talk a little bit about how EduAid could be used as a tool for professional development. So I, you know, a lot of leaders, you know, are, are thinking about developing, developing their teachers in different ways. And of course, there's the initial thing that leaders jump to is, you know, I'm thinking of professional development. So let's get, you know, let's get a speaker in and do a workshop or, you know, something like that. But professional development is so much wider and teachers learn in so many different ways. And there's an opportunity here, I feel, for by using tools like EduAid for teachers to actually improve their practice. Would you be able to speak to that a little? Yes. I mean, that's an ongoing conversation. Um, One that we had maybe 30 minutes before I came on the podcast with my team was that how do we build in evidence-based practices into our prompt structures, but more than that, into the resources that we provide teachers? So a way that we're thinking about possibly doing that is by categorizing all of our various resources to match their specific instructional act, right? Would this be an example of interleaved practice? Would this be an example of, you know, timely and actionable feedback? Would this be an example of team-based learning or project-based learning, right? And really kind of tagging the resource with the underlying method that is brought to bear. And then when a teacher does that, well, now you have to consider when you're stacking these resources, how these varieties of learning techniques kind of bleed into one another and how they affect one another and how you kind of create this, this environment for learning. So when you're working through this process of refinement, of taking AI resources and further shaping them and further, further cultivating them to their maximum capacity, you are not, again, just looking for resources. You are considering what it is that makes a good lesson, what it is that makes a meaningful uh, moment in the classroom, and then working toward that. You could also flip that around and do this with students, right? You can generate, and say, 10 essays from a large language model at vari- with varieties of mistakes in them, hand them to your students, be like, hey, these are Ds, these are Es, you know, these are failing. They're not, fix them, you know, edit them, revise them. And now students are considering well, what is it that makes a good essay? What is it that makes good writing? What is it that makes a reasonable argument? And now they're working from the place of, you know, considering the product as opposed, and the process, as opposed of just getting to the end and writing a good essay. Now they're reflecting on what is a good essay, right? I think the same is true for the teaching practice. Instead of just trying to get to being a good teacher, you're now considering, well, what is it that makes a good teacher and working toward that with actionable steps and resources? I love that. I guess the question would be, what does make a good teacher and how are you going to define those concepts? Do you, do you ask AI to tell you? Or no, you no, I, w- I wouldn't. I, um, for that, for that, we, we, we go, we go to the research base, right. And we, we do our desk research and we try to identify best practices in education as discerned from principles in cognitive science and learning sciences more broadly. Um, that's really the background of my education, which was, you know, there are 
oftentimes in education, we don't look to the evidence. We don't look to the research base. It is hard to do research in education, right? Um, classrooms aren't controlled environments. It's hard to do controlled studies in um, in the wild, so to speak, in schools. But when you can look to the research base to identify best practices, you should. And then you consider in our prompt structure, for example, like what are the elements of this best practice and how can we get it such that the AI will return results that you know, kind of meet each of those elements. Now, that's restricted. You can't just rely on studies from the cognitive science literature and learning science literature and expect it to be classroom ready. That's why we bake them modular, why we give granular control so that they can be further refined. But we try to start from a place of best practices as discerned from the research base, build that into the prompt structure so that the base resource is aligned with, again, evidence-based practices as best we can. That's an incredibly thoughtful way to approach this. And it's great to see. And I, I guess because Eduade has, has, has just started and it's, it's, it's kind of you two kind of working on this as educators, you're developing and asking these questions at quite a fast pace along the way. So it's, a, it's an exciting thing to jump into. And I even see feedback is embedded into your actual app in itself. That's something I really want to note here is um, we understand that everyone approaches any endeavor with biases and assumptions about the world and that those biases and assumptions can sink into the work you're doing. We're trying to counteract that or mitigate that as best as we can by bringing in a wide variety of perspectives and voices into our product development. I have two um, cognitive scientists on our board who you know, very much are pushing us to go in that direction or where we have policymakers talking about standards alignment at the national level. And now we're opening ourselves up to a variety of different concerns and looking at this from angles that we did not previously consider, which is interesting because that's exactly what we hope EduAid does for teachers, looking at things and perspectives they have not previously considered. And we take user feedback and we take that to heart. I mean, that's built right into the platform. You can give us feedback. We can then take that and um, we use it to shape our product. I mean, that's where our language options came from. That's where our options for special educational resources came from. We listen to our users because our users are the ones who, you know, are in the trenches, are doing the teaching, and we want to make sure they have the tools that they need. Okay, so leaders at the minute, potentially in a place where they go, right, AI has to be a part of our offering in some way. We can't just ignore it in education anymore. We have to think about it. But there's a lot of fear and there's an already a lot of people jumping into this, that and everywhere with AI. I assume this year is going to be the year of AI in schools because it's the first full school academic year where all schools have access to it. So on that note, what do you think are some of the common pitfalls that you've seen in your experience that leaders maybe need to consider when bringing AI into their practice, whether that be for teachers or students? I would say first, skepticism is good. I mean, there's a lot of existential questions that a technology like this raises and deep consideration conversation like we're having is is necessary. Um, you don't want to just kind of shoot from the hip here and hope that your technological adoption <clears throat> works out, but you cannot allow skepticism to be paralysis. You can't not move because if you just wait and wait and, and drag your feet on this, you will find that the technology is already pervasive. You'll find that it's already being used. You will find that students are using it, staff are using it, and you need clear policies to direct the use of that. So what should those policies be? 
That's a great question. I don't think I have an answer of what AI policy should be school-wide, but I also don't think it's just an outright ban. Now, of course, someone will say that's just your bias, man. You're making an AI tool. Of course, you don't want AI to be banned. You know, Of course, you're saying, hey, outsource policymaking to someone who has more authority than yourself, but just don't ban it. That's really easy to say when you're the one who's making it. So you know, what's, what's the middle ground? What's, what's the resolution? I mean, obviously, we need to restrict the use of AI by students. We can't allow students to, you know, submit essays that were written by a large language model, not by themselves. But maybe that means we change the kinds of things we ask students to do, where they can use AI as a tool, but maybe you create lessons such that when you use it as a tool, it doesn't give you the answers, so to speak. Maybe this kind of standardized approach of high stakes testing is is coming to an end. I mean, we've heard quite a few complaints about it throughout the years, but no one's really seemed to have any kind of ways to get about it, ways to get around it. I think this technology disrupts that system. And when you're in that space, you got to ask some tough questions like, okay, what are AI supported lessons? What does that look like using AI in the classroom? Well, that might look like given that I'm a history teacher, I might ask my students to Go to ChatGPT, generate an article about a specific historical topic, and then I give you some actual sources from the topic, and then you basically go and fact check the AI. So now you're playing with the AI outputs as a way of, as an instructional tool, and not as a way to just get answers, because you can't do that. You have to use the AI, and then you have to do analysis, and now I'm approaching this deeper level of thinking. The technology shapes the messages we send to our students. Marshall McLuhan, who said the medium is the message, right? The idea that the technology shapes the messages such that the messages are completely different because of the technology. I think AI is that kind of technology, that kind of transformative technology, much like the printing press making us a literary culture or the television making us more of an audiovisual culture. I think the AI, what does that do to us? That's the question we're asking. I think it's a valuable question to ask. I think that means school leadership has to ask tough questions about what it is they want to accomplish. Strip away the technology completely. I think that's the best first step. No technology at all. What is it that we're trying to achieve? Which technologies have unique affordances such that we can get closer to what we want to achieve? And then what are the costs of implementation? And if you see technologies that undermine that mission, well, then maybe you start looking at bans and ways to restrict it and you know, various forms of security in that form. But you should also look at how you can use it to support your ends. That's a really proactive way to look at a use of this kind of technology. I've seen a few policies, actually, Thomas, from a few different schools across the world on AI. And yeah, I think the worry is in those policies, many of them have been reactive and and in terms of they've been in terms of what not to use ai for and what not to do with ai it's it's all been out of concern and worry what will be nice to see is schools developing policies that are going how is ai going to really enhance the learning and have some of the questions like you've had developing eduaid where you've gone okay we don't want to replace the teacher we want to develop them support them and how do we design a tool to do that and then thinking okay how do we design a tool to support our students? And I love your example of using AI as a tool to create something and get students to fact check it. What a, a brilliant new new thing we couldn't do before that we can. And also, if you've ever been in a building with 13 and 14 year olds, um, prohibition never really works, right? You prohibit cell phones, you, you're still going to have students trying to sneak their cell phones, right? 
the moment I start saying no cell phones in my classroom is the moment I have more students asking me to use the restroom every two minutes, right? Because they have to check TikTok or whatever it might be. Maybe you should have asked, you know, how can mobile technology support learning and ways to restrict, to avoid distraction and whatnot. There's, there's trade-offs, right? AI is not a panacea. It's not going to solve all of our problems, but it's also not the end of the world. It's not a cognizant, conscious machine that is thinking and very much you know, disdainful of the way humans are using it. It's a tool that makes logical guesses of what pieces of language come after the other given its training set. And when you look at it like that, at its base level, and you look at what you're trying to accomplish, you can begin to see ways that that technology might be useful, but also ways that it wouldn't be and ways that it might undermine your mission. And that's where bans come in. That's where security comes in. That's where you can be more proactive, as you said, with your policy development. This conversation has really shed light on the responsible and ethical integration of AI in education. Thomas made it clear that the goal of AI in education should be to create a collaborative human AI model, not one that merely generates content for teachers. And Thomas also stressed the importance of skepticism paired with proactive policymaking. Banning technologies reactively often backfires. Instead, schools should deeply examine their core values and purposes then determine which tools can enhance versus hinder that mission. And if used right, AI's advantages can act as a springboard for creativity, critical thinking, and meaningful learning. Globe Led Leaders is hosted and produced by me, Shane Leaning. Original music by Guillermo Silva. You can find out more about eduade.ai by going to their website at the same name. It's eduade.ai. And there's also links to that in the show notes. And if you like this show, please follow, subscribe, and help spread the word by sharing this episode wherever you hang out online. And don't forget to tag me and say hi using the links in the show notes. I'll see you next week.